Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone. Welcome to This Anthropological Life. As always, I'm Anil Tripathi. And I'm Ryan Collins. And today we're joined by Professor Javier Seed of Brandeis University. Not only is he our resident bone specialist within the department, but he's also a specialist in Zapotec script and all things Mesoamerica. And he's also a good friend of ours. Uh, today, Javier shares with us uh, not just what makes him a good material analyst, uh, but the stories that drove the passion for him to become an anthropologist that have really shaped his extensive career uh, over the last 30-odd years. Uh, So today we want to talk about how a passion for photography can actually shape the way in which you view the past and create a passion for anthropology. And that's how we began our our conversation with Professor Ursid. So tune in, guys. At one point I was interested in doing professional photography. Really? And uh, I went to a university in my hometown that offered the degree in uh, uh, photography, but um, realized that it was going to be a bit expensive because I had to purchase the equipment. I didn't have the Mm -hmm. equipment. So after uh, just getting to know people in that place, I was stepping out and I was a bit bummed down. And just as I exited the Department of Photography, I stumbled upon an ad on another door that said anthropology. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what does that word mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> so actually, that's how I got hooked. Uh-huh. I went back home and took a look at a dictionary, and it was like, hmm, the study of humans. Oh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to that same university that it was offering the degree in photography, but also in anthropology, and I loved it. Yes. It was very interesting. That's great. So did, were your interests in anthropology and photography, did they kind of happen concurrently for a while? Or what was the moment when kind of the anthropology interests really dive in, or was mostly kind of the degree I mean, switch? pretty soon I realized that photography was uh, a, rather a, a, an asset mm. uh, that would serve a much larger purpose. Uh-huh. So anthropology became... Uh, the main focus pretty soon right yeah and there's what what kind of photography did you do or do you think there was was there any aspect in your photography that almost gave you a predilection to go into anthropology i think it was part of uh, something that i was not aware of at the time which is uh, my visual thinking um, i like to draw um, since my childhood 
and together with photography and drawing, they have become central to do anthropological analysis. Mm. It's a very powerful way of uh, making drawings, uh, given my area of interest, which is the study yeah. of signs and of uh, Mesoamerican uh, scripts uh, that were invented prior to European contact, uh, collecting the necessary database, um, the necessary corpus, mm. requires both photography and on the basis of photographs to generate as reliable as possible illustrations and drawings. Mm. So I guess I was not aware to the, ex the extent to which both drawing and photography were part of that visual thinking that I already had deeply ingrained. Mm. Um, and they turned out to be fantastic assets for doing uh, eventually what I ended up doing. One of the things that really strikes me in your work is, is a really in, almost intense focus on objects. So did you see, was, was there any aspect of that also in your, in your visual thinking with photography? Like were, what was kind of the main uh, types of images or was it kind of objects that kind of caught your fascination when you were taking pictures? I think that the fact that in anthropological archaeology you study humans, but based on what humans have produced... Uh, or even whatever remains of ancient humans, um, it's it's that physicality that inevitably led me to uh, to objects. So, in in a sense, they, the the emphasis on objects has been always inherent to the yeah. doing of archaeology. So there was no like a like a special eureka moment. Uh, mm -hmm. It has always been uh, part of part of doing archaeology. Yeah, so in a way it was almost through through the courses you were taking at becoming an archaeologist, right, that you think kind of got that focus almost inherently. Oh, yes, yes. And, you know, where, where I got my undergraduate degree, it was a fantastic setup. It, this was in the town of uh, Cholula, mm -hmm. which happens to have a major pre-Hispanic settlement uh, right underneath the modern town. Ah. And, you know, taking classes there in anthropology where... Um, just digging in, on campus and finding mm. objects that went back, uh, you know, prior to the birth of Christ. So it, it, yeah. was, it was a very common um, set of experiences to always stumble upon objects and uh, work with them. Mm. Mm. And, you know, you're one of the foremost scholars of Zapotec script today. Right. If not the foremost scholar of Zapotec script. Well, uh, there's a lot of people working uh, mm -hmm. on that. Um, and there are lots of opinions about uh, what uh, that script was used for, mm -hmm. what was the purpose of leaving um, certain kinds of messages. Um, but, yeah, I have uh, devoted uh, about 20 years of my life uh, mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. And I think this plays into everything that we've been talking about so far, that you're predilection to images uh, and to sequencing has really played out in allowing you to sort of get at the script in ways that few others have been able to before. Although I must recognize that despite my efforts, uh, in my opinion, a good deal of the script remains undeciphered. Mm -hmm. um, in a sense, I know why. Um, in order to successfully decipher the script, you need to have access to a clue. Mm -hmm. And usually that clue comes in the form of um, something that is written in 
two or more scripts, one of which is already known. Mm-hmm. That condition applied very neatly in the case of um, some cuneiform scripts or the Egyptian uh, script. It even applies in the case of uh, Maya script. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.